So, budget day today, you'll hear all the details, all the analysis on Heather Duplessis Allen's drive show this afternoon. In the meantime, everybody's got their begging bowl out. Everybody has a wish list. The Greens MP, Julian Genta, wants this government to spend like there's no tomorrow. She reckons this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to borrow cheap money and invest in climate change technology and reducing child poverty. This is the opportunity, she says, for the government to tackle the really big issues that previous governments have been too politically wary to invest in. The argument seems to be that in the midst of a pandemic, we can reset the world and create a New Zealand that is a utopian paradise. Andrew Kelleher, on the other hand, uh, who was on the Mike Hosking Breakfast this morning, says now is the time to reduce debt, to keep some money in the coffers for another rainy day, because goodness knows we've had plenty of those before and they will come again. We needed those reserves over the decades, what with the GFC, the Christchurch rebuild, the pandemic. Simon Wilson from the New Zealand Herald wants benefits raised by 50%. He says benefits should be a measure of financial security and opportunity. And he's backed in this by the Children's Commissioner. You would have heard him in the news. Transport and infrastructure consultant Barney Irvine told the Mike Hosking Breakfast he'd like to see more investment in roading from tomorrow's budget. I think we really need to see more investment in road maintenance right around the country. The state of road services in in New Zealand is is awful by and large, and it has been for a long time. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see anything there because it's just not quite sexy enough. We also desperately need more investment to go into the transport programme in Auckland. The the programme is seriously underfunded, and there are some really important projects that that just aren't going to happen without more money, and that is going to have a big impact on, on Auckland's Livability and productivity. Right, Barney Irvine, of course, talking about today's budget, not tomorrow's. Uh, Matthew Tukaki, who's the executive director of the Māori Council, wants to see something for your average worker. <laughs> yeah, fat chance. Uh, the guy and girl that gets squeezed every which way with little relief. We need to see some relief for our middle-income New Zealanders who are doing it tough and have been doing it tough for some time now. They always often get missed. They're always thrown at the bottom of the heap, but they're also one of the single largest tax bases in this country. And at the moment, they're doing it tough. They're going to do it tough in the next year. It's a long road to recovery. So how about we lean into them? And also our blue-collar workers, whoever made that comment before, mm. because actually Māori form a large and significant part of that blue-collar workforce. So I'm, I'm hopeful um, but we've got a lot more work to do. Yeah. So there we go. Everyone wants something from this budget. Previous budgets have been somewhat dry. We've known not to expect much. We've known that pretty much all the policies have been pre-announced. And there has been some you know, pre-budget announcements made by this government too. But this government has built up a level of expectation that I haven't seen for quite some time. And I think it's probably because... The government has shaken the money tree at every opportunity from the start of this pandemic and also because Labour can do it alone. It doesn't need to work with anybody else. Now that Labour doesn't have the constraint of a New Zealand first handbrake, they can introduce the sort of policies that these people have studied, they have theorised about, they have dreamed of since they entered politics 20-odd years ago. This is their time to put into practice everything they've studied, everything they believe. Yet again, 
a Labour government is going to use the country as a social experiment, a bit like the Longy Douglas government did all those years ago. So I think that's why, for the first time in a very long time, I'm going to be very interested to see what comes out of this budget. Is Grant Robertson going to use it to create the sort of New Zealand he and his cohorts believe it should be a kind of, you know, every man is equal, nobody is better than anybody else. If you're on a benefit, it's not your fault. You deserve the dignity of a of being able to live your life while on a benefit and the rest of us shouldn't begrudge paying it. That we'll have cycleways that go alongside the trucks that will be running on electric that will take our products that we've grown humanely and with love and we'll kiss, bless and release what we produce to the world and get money back for it. You know, there, there really is a kind of level of expectation I have hitherto um, never seen. So who's going to miss out? Well, <laughs> unfortunately for Matthew Tukaki, I think it is going to be your average Joe and Josephine who pays for all of this. I really do. They're just going to be squeezed yet again and expected to pay for it for the privilege of living in a utopian paradise. Those industries, those business sector spokespeople looking not for handouts, but for investment in their sectors, as Barney Irvine was saying, please make the roads better so we can get our goods to market, so we can make it more productive, so we can we can deliver more so that we can get the dollars you need to create this utopian paradise. They're not looking for handouts, investment in their sectors so they can become more productive. Is there going to be anything in the budget for them? No. Don't hold your breath.